From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker and editor of the CQ Budget Newsletter. And joining me today is Jennifer Schutt, who covers appropriations at CQ Roll Call. Thanks for being here, Jen. Thanks for having me. So after months of delay, Senate appropriators finally got to work on their spending bills for the new fiscal year, which begins in just two weeks. But it was a slower start than lawmakers had hoped for. And unlike last year's effort, it was deeply partisan. The Appropriations Committee approved its overall spending limits for each of its 12 bills, but it wasn't pretty. And Jen, you were there. How did it go? It didn't go particularly well. One of the things that the Senate Appropriations Committee has become known for in the past few years is bipartisanship, especially under Chairman Richard Shelby, Republican of Alabama, and Ranking Member Patrick Leahy, a Democrat of Vermont. Um, They have really fostered this really strong working relationship where they are friends and that even when they disagree on policy levels, they've been able to work that out in the past. So the tone and the votes that were taken in last week's full committee markup were a break from what we've been seeing from the Senate Appropriations Committee under their leadership. And they don't signal anything particularly good going forward in terms of trying to get these full year bills enacted into law. So they took up these spending allocations, and it was strictly party line, right? Right. And the conflict there was what? Democrats feel that the Republican allocations give too much money to the Homeland Security Spending Bill. That bill covers Customs and Border Protection, Immigrations and Customs Enforcement, and FEMA. They feel that additional money should be given to legislation like the Labor HHS Education Spending Bill, as well as the Transportation and HUD Spending Bill. And so Senate Appropriations Committee Ranking Member Pat Leahy, he offered his own set of subcommittee allocations, which was voted down on a party-line vote as well. And this reflects mostly, again, the funding fight over the border wall, right? I mean, Homeland Security is where most of that border wall money is in. Right. So this is a, this is a case of, of once again, just as we had last year when the whole thing broke down eventually, uh, we ended up with a shutdown. Uh, we're seeing it again play out a little bit now in the, the early stages of it where they can't even agree to these spending allocations. Right. But I think the important thing to know, especially when we're talking about the Senate Appropriations Committee, is that last year they were able to report out all 12 of their bills on right. a bipartisan basis, and that included the Homeland Security Spending Bill with their allocation for border barrier spending. They got bipartisan agreement in the committee, and so things were looking really well at the Senate Appropriations Committee's markup stage last year. And even Even then, we got that 35-day government shutdown, the longest government shutdown in U.S. history. And so if things are even rockier now, that doesn't necessarily indicate that we are going to have a smooth autumn as the House, Senate, and White House try to negotiate how to reach this bipartisan agreement on all 12 spending bills. But it's particularly important that these spending allocations don't have bipartisan support in the Senate, right? Because Because you can't advance a spending bill in the Senate without bipartisan support because you need 60 votes. Right. But I think an important thing to know is that it seems like some of the bills do have bipartisan support, right? So last week they marked up the defense appropriations bill. That got a party line vote in committee, but the energy water spending bill got bipartisan support that was voted out unanimously, I believe. And the legislation they're taking up this week, those three bills, the agriculture bill, 
the financial services and general government bill and the transportation HUD spending bill, those are all likely to get bipartisan support, even though the total list of 12 subcommittee allocations was a party line vote. So it seems like where's the strategy going into September for the Senate Appropriations Committee was to mark up all 12 bills. It now seems like after last week, when they had to pull the labor HHS and education and state foreign ops bills, that their goal now is to advance the bipartisan spending bills and then really try to work behind the scenes to see if they can get some agreement on these more contentious issues, of course, which are abortion policy and the border wall. So it seems like they might get a few, at least a few of these bills passed in the Senate because they because some of them will have bipartisan support, but certainly not all of them. Right. But we don't yet know if any of these bills will actually go to the Senate sure. floor. There's only sure. this week and next week. They're before, facing a big time crunch now. Yes. There's only this week and next week before both chambers, the House and Senate, are scheduled to be on a two-week break for the beginning of October. And the Senate on the floor tends to move particularly slow in terms of their procedure and their debate. That's how that chamber is designed. And so I don't necessarily know if they have enough time to bring any of these spending bills to the floor before that break begins. Yeah. Besides, obviously, the continuing resolution that will be needed to fund agencies once we begin the new fiscal year on October 1st. That will obviously have to come to the Senate floor, but I don't know if any of these individual spending bills will get debate. And Republicans were certainly hoping to at least do the defense spending bill on time. And now that looks problematic because the defense bill got a party line vote. Yes. Well, Republicans weren't, in the Senate at least, weren't planning to do the defense spending bill on its own. They were p- planning to pair Packaging, it with the labor right. HHS and education spending bill. Um, also potentially adding the energy, water, and state foreign operations spending bills onto that package. That obviously isn't going to happen now. So I don't see a situation where we get a package like that um, on the Senate floor in September or potentially at all this year. This might be a situation where they just go directly to conference with the House without any Senate floor votes. And we should say the defense bill broke down because of the border wall fight again, because Democrats were pretty steamed about this plan from the Trump administration to divert more than $3.5 billion from military construction projects to the border wall And that drew fire from Democrats at the markup, and they said they're not going to be able to support the bill unless that unless that plan has changed. And that's the reason that we aren't seeing a subcommittee or full committee markup in the Senate this week on the military construction and VA spending bill. That was originally supposed to be this week. It actually posted Friday morning to the Senate's official sort of committee schedule roster. Um, But then when the Senate Appropriations Committee sent out their official list of hearings and markups for this week, that was not on there. And we know one of the big issues that's being debated behind the scenes is whether or not to backfill the $3.6 billion in military construction accounts that the Trump administration has diverted funding from for border wall construction. That's something that Democrats feel very strongly that they are against. And so when I was speaking with uh, the Senate Military Construction VA Subcommittee Chairman John Bozeman, a Republican, he told from me last Arkansas. week— From Arkansas, yes. He told me last week that his bill at that time included money to backfill all of those accounts, the full $3.6 billion. Um, and that is something that Democrats are opposed to. So it sounds like they were hoping to mark it up. They were hoping to potentially get some bipartisan consensus on that bill, but that obviously did not happen. So they're just holding it back for now. And I think, you know, we've heard that next week 
they want to mark up the Homeland Security spending bill, but if they can't get bipartisan agreement on bills like labor, HHS education, state foreign ops, and military construction, VA, I would be very surprised if they can get agreement on Homeland Security and are actually yeah. able to mark up that bill. Hard to see how that one comes up at all because that's the source of the biggest funding fight of all uh, for the border wall. So that one's going to be a problem. And so things are definitely slowing down. They were hoping to do four bills a week this month to make up for all their lost time. That's not happening. Uh, last week, they only got two bills done, and they had to pull two. They had to pull from the agenda the labor HHS education bill, which is the one Democrats care about most, and the state foreign operations bill. Both got yanked because of this partisan policy dispute over abortion policy. Yes. And I think the really important thing to point out when we talk about this is there is no debate currently happening about the Hyde Amendment, right? That amendment that has been in, in spending bills for quite some time now that prevents federal funding from being used for abortions with limited exceptions. And so that is not what this fight is about. This fight is about whether or not lawmakers in Congress will kind of try to rein in some new rules that the Trump administration has issued since President Donald Trump came into office. The state foreign operations bill is one that I was personally a little bit surprised that they had to pull. Um, ranking member Jean Shaheen on that subcommittee, she has offered an amendment. New Hampshire in, Democrat. She has offered an amendment in the past that would undo the Trump administration sort of bringing back the so-called Mexico City policy or the global gag rule, depending on what you feel like calling it in your political beliefs. That prevents foreign aid funding from going to non-governmental organizations if they provide or discuss abortions as a form of birth control. That has been something that's relatively opposed by Democrats. And so she was able to offer that amendment during the Senate markup last year. It was added to the bill on a bipartisan basis. But she has since been told she cannot offer it this year because that spending agreement that the White House and Congress reached this summer says no poison pills. And even though that amendment we know from past votes does have bipartisan support, the Republicans in charge of the Senate Appropriations Committee believe it is a poison pill because it is something that the conference as a whole would be opposed to and that the Trump administration would classify as a poison pill. So that has held up state foreign operations spending. And then on the labor HHS education bill, uh, a similar amendment that would rein in the Trump administration's new rule, which is which opponents are calling the domestic gag rule, would prevent the Trump administration from being able to enforce that, which, of course, made headlines last month when Planned Parenthood left the Title X Family Planning Grants Program because the Trump administration now says that you are not eligible for those Title X family planning grants through HHS if you provide or discuss abortions as a form of birth control. Yeah. So what happened is Republicans call these poison pills and Democrats say they should not be considered poison pills. And so we have a big debate over what is a poison pill. Uh, but that certainly outraged Republicans and particularly Mitch McConnell, the Senate Majority Leader, who complained uh, this week, last week that these bulls, bills had to be pulled. He said Democrats were violating the budget agreement from this summer that, that uh, bans poison pill policy riders. I think we have a little bit of McConnell speaking on that topic right now. Let's listen to what he had to say. Our Democratic friends seem to be wanting to try to wiggle out of the agreement that we all signed off on and voted on. So I think it is truly a disturbing development. I hope you'll ask them about it. They'll be out here shortly. And um, let me just say again, we, we don't want to have 
the chaos that's associated with government shutdowns. So there's the Republican side. And as you outlined, Jen, the Democrats say this just isn't a poison pill and they should be allowed to proceed because these measures have had bipartisan support. Right. And they're particularly pointing to votes in committee that would likely come from Republican Alaskan Senator Lisa Murkowski and Maine Republican Senator Susan Collins. Okay, so so the fiscal year begins October 1st. None of these 12 bills will be done on time. What's the outlook now for getting the government funded at all? So the House is planning to vote on a continuing resolution this week. We don't know the official date for that yet, but it's likely going to be until just before the Thanksgiving break. That'll give appropriators and congressional leadership in the White House more time to negotiate on these 12 annual spending bills and try to get them enacted. There are some debates there based on what anomalies will be in that continuing resolution Um, But that is something that could potentially sort of ping pong, go back and forth between the House and Senate before it's finally sent to President Trump's desk. But it seems like at this point in time, President Donald Trump is planning to sign that continuing resolution. So we're not at this point in time anticipating a government shutdown on October 1st. But as we all know, things can change very quickly in Washington. And so that's definitely something that we will be tracking in the coming days and heading into October 1st. All right, so we'll be watching this mad sprint here as we try to avert a government shutdown with a, another stopgap continuing resolution. And CQ will be covering it all for you. That does it for us today. If you have any questions or comments about our podcast, we'd love to hear from you. You can drop us an email. It's cqpodcast at cqrollcall.com. My thanks again to Jennifer Shutt, our appropriations reporter, for joining me. Thanks, Jen. Thanks for having me. And thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week. Until then, you can stay up to date by subscribing to the CQ Budget newsletter. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, NPR One, or just Google the phrase CQ Budget Podcast. See you next week.